a seat. Uh, these are my, two of my favorite people in the whole world. I mean, these two uh, have driven uh, increased attention to and action in this community or this set of communities across the country, and they're both part-timers, and, and they have no staff underneath them. Uh, so when Stephanie says this is a labor of love, I'd say it's a labor of love, but a passion and a purpose. Uh, and so when we talk about why we are here, actually, let's see if I can work this little sucker. Um, I am going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, bringing Alzheimer's readiness to all communities. And I want to do this in the following way. Uh, uh, I'll give you a 30-second overview of the founding of the organization. 2010, aimed at politics. We thought we first had to get the federal government committed uh, to stopping this goal uh, and then setting a time-based goal to end the disease. So that was the efforts of the first couple of years. Then we formed CEOI as an industry coalition <clears throat> to make, get a business uh, partnered with government for the same goal, figuring the government does not make innovative medicines, industry does. And uh, all along this way, we developed this leaders engaged in Alzheimer's disease, which under the extraordinary leadership of Ian Kremer, has now over 90 Alzheimer's-serving organizations across the country, virtually every Alzheimer's-serving organization in the country. Uh, and part of the industry coalition was to convene the whole field and say, what are the priorities uh, to a solution to this disease? Number one, wouldn't surprise you, finance. And so we've been working over the course of the years through a variety of networks in order to get federal funding at higher levels. And now we've gone from roughly 400 million when we were founded to about a billion four on the way, hopefully this year to a billion eight if we can get a budget done. Uh, second priority uh, was big data. And so through our CEO uh, initiative, we are working on big data solutions. And the third was clinical trials. And so with the able assistance of our strategic advisor, Deborah Lappin, and now under the leadership of the extraordinary John Dwyer, uh, we have a global Alzheimer's platform that has $50 million in financing and is reforming clinical trial system. But after we set those priorities in 2014, uh, it turns out uh, that if you assume success and getting a medicine through uh, the regulatory hurdles, uh, that we don't have a population that is timely and accurately diagnosed. And as a consequence, no one knows what medicine is appropriate for what populations. And as a consequence, as we introduce medicines in the very early stages of this disease uh, to try and prevent its progression, if people aren't timely and accurately diagnosed, we're not going to know who should have those medicines. So part of the problem here is readiness in the health system and readiness in our communities. And so we have focused increasingly on a couple of metrics in that area. Uh, and one of them is the detection and diagnosis of, of this disease. This is the challenge. You know, these communities, if you basically say, you know, is America ready uh, to receive uh, medicines? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, but in particular, it's no with respect to the African-American and Latino communities. Uh, less accessible to the health system generally. Uh, the disparities in terms of the incidence of the disease among African-Americans and whites is like three to one. The incidence of the disease between Latinos and non-Latino uh, whites is one and a half to one. Uh, and in fact, uh, the socioeconomics uh, of those communities are challenging. 
So you imagine that a medicine comes through the pipeline. Medicare is at the moment not inclined to reimburse for these medicines. So we're going to have medicines that were detected, actually tested in the white community because Latinos and African Americans don't participate in clinical trials at the rate that their population would suggest that they do. So we're going to introduce, we're testing it in white populations. Uh, and quite frankly, it's likely that the first set of drugs and for a long period of time are all going to be private pay. Now, you talk about increasing racial disparities, increasing income disparities in this country. We have got to get at with a passion, love, passion, and purpose, uh, addressing the disparities in this community and the disparities of access to drugs in this community. Now, we do this with other uh, networks as well. Uh, women against Alzheimer's, women are twice as likely, as you all know, to be both the victims and the caregivers. So women crossing in the, uh, to, to the, to the African-American and Latino communities are particularly at risk uh, either to have the disease uh, or to be caregivers of those who do. We just announced yesterday a Veterans Against Alzheimer's because it turns out that, in fact, brain-related injuries in battle, PTS, you're twice as likely to get Alzheimer's later in life. TBI, you're about 20, 30 percent more likely to get Alzheimer's later in life. So here's a community, again, somewhat uh, skewed a little older, but also skewed to more diversity uh, that is adversely affected. So we have created these uh, networks around communities that are experiencing disparities in this disease. Now, <clears throat> so how do we get at this question? So part of this process is discovery through collaboration, which is this slide given to me, but it speaks very precisely to what we're doing today. What is it uh, that we need to set as goals uh, in this community, uh, these communities, because it's quite diverse within the communities of color, but what kind of goals ought we to be setting? Uh, for what purpose? And I would suggest one is increasing rates of detection and diagnosis, not because it's a good in and of itself, but if you can raise those rates, that means you've begun to address the problems of access to the health system. You've begun to get at the problems of awareness and mobilization. So by setting a goal around something that you can actually measure, you will begin to test whether or not you've begun to get, make progress on the underlying conditions uh, which cause the lack of detection and diagnosis, particularly in communities of color. Uh, the other goal is clinical trial participation. There's another metric that is quantifiable and measurable. What is the percentage of uh, those who participate in clinical trials from the African-American Latino community. Now it's low single digits. It should be in the 20% range at least. And as the population now is represented by about 30% uh, of African-Americans and Latinos, it should be higher than 20%. But right now it's in the low teens. As a consequence, medicines are being, as I say, uh, tested in populations that don't re represent America. They're being tested in very, uh, uh, very narrow populations of essentially uh, the white population. By 2030, the majority of Americans with Alzheimer's will be communities of color. Now, you think in, in the United States, by 2050, we're going to have a majority-minority country. But by 2030, the Alzheimer's community is majority-minority. And that's because this disease disparately impacts uh, the communities of color. So we got to get to it. And so the discovery through collaboration of the discussions that happened today to identify the goals that we should set, and then by setting those goals, causing a number of things to change. Now, 
We've done this last year. Here's a panel on precisely this subject. Uh, uh, Stephanie and Jason lead efforts in our communities around the country to bring people to this conversation and through entertainment uh, and through other uh, community-based uh, mechanisms, as I say, two part-timers. Uh, here is obviously someone in our network, Daisy Duarte, who is getting the B. Learner Valor Award tomorrow night, uh, who is in a clinical trial and getting infused. Uh, so uh, we need to reach out into the communities. Here's a picture of Linda Lara on the right-hand side from the Guadalupe Centers in Kansas City, one of our strong local partners uh, in Kansas City to work on the clinical trials recruitment issue. So we need to reach into our communities, identify what we're trying to do with some precision, and then be able to hold ourselves accountable so that when we come here next year, we come here next year, we'll be able to say we made some progress. Not that we had a good time. I mean, this reminds me, these conferences tend to remind me it's going to sound horrible. But I come out of Hollywood. I, part of my career was in Hollywood. And you give a script to an actor, and the actor looks at the script, and he says, my line, bullshit, 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 my line, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> these conferences tend to be people who are brilliant and who get up and say something brilliant, and, and then they forget everybody else was speaking, right? Uh, and the audience tends to think that was brilliant, well, that was brilliant, that was brilliant. But in fact, it doesn't tie together in terms of action. And so when Stephanie and Jason mentioned that, in fact, I insist on outcomes, I want outcomes. And so on next year, when this happens, I want you to say, we set these goals uh, by in, in 2017 for what we wanted to achieve to get at that challenge um, doesn't have to all be solved in one year, but you need a directional arrow to make sure that the vector and trajectory of what we're doing is producing improvement in the lives of people. Otherwise, we're all sitting here listening to brilliant people and enjoying ourselves with our networking. Uh, but in fact, you cannot point to things that actually are changing life on the ground. And so that is my great challenge to all of you. Now, in the end, disparate communities, lots of different people from around the country, from different sectors, from pharmas uh, to community organizers to NGOs. Uh, we need to gather that diversity into unity uh, so that, in fact, we operate with common goals and common measurements, even though we will all act independently. So, in fact, you need some organizing principle. This is, obviously, was a goal that we still have not achieved, uh, but unity in acting towards racial justice has made progress. As I say, far from successful yet completely, but you could say over 50 years or 30 years or 10 years, progress has been made. But we need measurement to assure that we know what we're talking about. The women's movement, the breast cancer movement. I'm always struck by the fact that in 1981, first HIV uh, patient, the first Nancy Brinker, Susan G. Komen event for breast cancer. The founding of the Alzheimer's Association. We've had an AIDS movement, and now it's a manageable disease. We've had a breast cancer movement, and in fact now with mammograms and more systematic understanding of the disease, we are doing a lot with breast cancer. We have not had that movement yet in Alzheimer's. So our first panel tomorrow will be about from people who are involved in those other movements on what it takes to turn a lot of awareness, a lot of impact on the people of the United States into a movement. 
But in fact, that's what the kind of thing that we need. Uh, so let me, it's the same movement. Obviously, you can, the AIDS movement, the power of individual quilts, individual quilts brought together in one place and displayed demonstrates what? The numbers of people impacted by HIV AIDS, the extraordinary service and love that was expressed through the making of individual quilts, but this picture says it is the unity of that movement which impacts the American people, the American government, corporations, uh, and causes a change, the kind of change uh, that we need. So together, we are stronger, we have to find unity in setting goals that are consensus goals, ways to measure them, uh, and uh, I suggest that, uh, back one slide please, yes, um, I suggest that together we can solve this. We have solved many problems in America. We have dealt with many diseases. The costs of polio were estimated to consume the national budget when estimates were made in the 50s. No one talks about the costs of caring for polio victims today. HIV was to crowd out everything in our hospitals uh, when the estimates were made in the late 80s. This is a now a manageable disease, and those who are HIV positive can live as long a life uh, as those uh, who are not HIV positive. We have got to do this for Alzheimer's. This is where it starts. This is where through diversity and conversation and collaboration, we identify what can be done, what tools we need, what barriers we need to overcome, what goals we have to set, and then hold ourselves accountable. So over the next five years or 10 years, each year, we can click through and say we made some progress or get the goals we set back in 2017. So I hope you have a wonderful day today, uh, a fruitful, nutritious, intellectually, emotional, uh, nutritious day. Uh, and uh, let's get at it. Thank you very much. Thank you.